0: Healthcare would be democratized. Healthcare would be accessible to everybody on this planet. It would look just like an eyeshadow, right? It would just be that cheap, that ubiquitous, and that simple.
1: Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science around the globe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Alex Merwin, Head of Growth Healthcare and Life Sciences Startups at AWS. Today, I'm joined by Adrian Ayun from Forward Health, who's on a mission to create a healthcare system that could reach a billion people across the world. Now, that's a lofty vision, so they're getting started by transforming how primary care is delivered, and I love this conversation for the -the out-of-the-box ideas and think-big vision and ambition that Adrian and his team have. I hope you really enjoy it. Here we go. Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, Adrian Iwoon. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I've been really looking forward to this one. You can tell me a little bit about what you all do at Forward. Yeah, so Forward started with a pretty simple
0: premise, right? We looked around and we said there's about 8 billion people on the planet, yet for some odd reason, less than 2 billion of them have access to any form of real healthcare, anything you and I would call real healthcare. And so I was like, wait a minute, like in the year 2023, like how is this possible? We all have cell phones, we've got, we're got. we on the cusp of self-driving cars, yet we can't get basic healthcare out to the planet. If you take a step back and you almost ask yourself why, it's like healthcare is roughly based on doctors. So imagine I walked up to you and I said, I want to get doctors to the whole planet, to billions of people, to the middle of India, the middle of Rwanda, to everyone. You'd say, Adrian, where the hell are you going to get all these doctors and who the hell is going to pay for them? But if I walked up to you and I said, I want to get smartphones to the whole planet, to the middle of India, the middle of Rwanda, to billions of people, you're going to say, Adrian, not only do I think it's possible, I think you're a little late to the game. What do you intuitively know? You intuitively know humans don't scale in a way that technology does. Or another way to say it is doctors don't scale in a way that hardware and software does. So at Ford, we have this key insight, which is that actually we're doing it all wrong. Healthcare should be a product, not a service. We should just take every single thing that doctors and nurses are doing and just migrate it over to hardware and software. Because if we do, we know that we can scale healthcare up to billions and billions of people. And so that's our mission. Our mission at Ford is really simple. We want to create the first at-scale healthcare system. The first healthcare system to truly scale to planet scale. Or another way to say it
1: is the first healthcare system to truly scale to 1 billion users. That's what we're trying to do over here. Well, I love big visions, and that definitely is one. I've got some follow-up questions for you, but we will work our way into it step by step. But let's learn a little bit more about you. What brought you to Forward? Look, my background is not in the world of healthcare.
0: I'm your standard tech nerd. I just don't have the pocket protector and the big thick glasses, but I'm sure they'll (laughs) issue them soon. So I started a company in the AI space a bunch of years ago. It was basically teaching computers to read and understand language. Think of it as like Siri on your phone, that sort of stuff. This was before AI was like all hot like it is now. What happened was Google acquired that company. I went and helped build a bunch of the AI sort of efforts over at Google. Did that for a little. But then interestingly, our CEO at the time was still Larry Page, who's still running the place. And he asked me to switch gears and come start working for him. So I spent the next few years actually as Larry's kind of right-hand man. Helped create Alphabet, created a bunch of the companies, etc. Now, I was a kid in a candy store. I started companies like Sidewalk Labs, literally... Working on creating full scale cities from scratch. I worked on all mm. sorts of projects and you're thinking, why the hell would you ever leave that? But I had the unfortunate experience, which is my older brother who lives out in New York had a heart attack and mm. I kind of watched what he went through. And it's the same story that happens to all of us, right? Where you don't really think about healthcare. You're like, sure, whatever I hear is crap, but it's probably fine. It's probably good enough until you're the one who goes through it and be like, Jesus Christ, healthcare's experience is awful. So folks like you and I, we all have access to great care. We never even go to the doctor, right? Cause who the hell wants to go when the experience is that bad? Turns out if you don't go, they can't help you. I saw the healthcare super reactive. Everybody's by my brother's side after the heart attack. I was like, I was just thinking, dude, I need you, I needed one of you like a year ago. I also saw, and this one's on us as engineers, is we haven't set doctors up for success. Like you wouldn't go up to a software engineer and ask them to build you a website, but not hand them a laptop, which is like the sum culmination of all human advancement in this beautiful two pound device. But for some reason, it's totally okay to go up to a doctor and say, save my life. And you start by handing them a stethoscope, like a hollow tube invented in the 1800s. Are you kidding me right now? You know, when you were a kid and you wanted to hear what your parents were saying in the other room and you like, you took a glass up to the door. <laughs> it turns out that's what a stethoscope is. That's how we're saving lives in the year 2023. I was like, this is appalling. We have to do better. And the last thing I saw is what I mentioned earlier: that healthcare is prohibitively expensive, and there's billions that we can complain all we want the crap that we have. But there's billions of people who don't even have the crap that we have. And I said, "Look, this has to be rethought. We have to go back to first principles and ask how can we do this better? We want to truly solve
1: this problem once and for all. When we engage with the healthcare system, there are a few things that can make us feel as small. Is when we are truly sick and helpless. I get what you're saying about technology, but oh man, when I'm really frustrated or I'm really scared and I talk to Siri, she lets me down every single time. Now, I don't know. Maybe LLMs are gonna get so good where Siri A actually knows what I'm saying, but B, could meet me where I'm at as a really vulnerable and sick human, but we're definitely not there. So what's the role for empathy in providing care? And how do you see technology fitting in with that?
0: It's funny how your brain immediately went to technology reduces empathy. Technology Mm. reduces relationships. Let me push on that. Because whenever I'm having a tough moment, the first thing I do is I pull out my iPhone and I FaceTime my best friend Mm. or I call my cousin, right? Actually, the best technologies allow us to be more human. The best technologies allow us to connect in even deeper ways, right? It turns out that what you identified, let's call it serious, it's just crap. Let's be real, it's a piece of junk, right? (laughs) But now ask yourself this. Ask yourself this. The last time you went through a terrible breakup, you're on the floor crying, you have your heart broken. What do you do? Honestly, you reach for your phone and like you call your best friend, you call your mother, your cousin, your children, I don't know, your spouse, whoever it is, right? Like you call the people that you need. You're not shouting across the country. You're picking up an iPhone, which again is like the sum culmination of all human advancement in this four inch wide piece of glass in your pocket. Let's say you're just having a really bad, you get, you're part of some layoffs at work. Again, what do you do? You're not calling a doctor, you're calling your support network. Let's say you you log into your Schwab account one day and the markets have crashed and you lost 90% of your money. What do you do? Again, you lean on your support network, right? And so what we've done in the world of healthcare that's incredibly odd is we've taken the service, the kind of the product that we get, and we've combined that with, the empathy and I think that's actually kind of odd way to think about it, right? It's like why why am I not getting that empathy almost different from a different place than where I'm getting that service? Yeah, I might need surgery. Yeah, I might have cancer. Those are awful things. Like those are terrible. I'm not saying you don't need humans to help you. Of course. We're tribe animals, right? We're pack animals. Like we want relationships with humans. But I don't think that it has to be the quarter million dollar a year person in front
1: of you that's that's doing the surgery to be the person to give you that that empathy and that support. Mm, that's a really good point. And also technology is an enabler. So it's not about technology reducing the need for empathy. In fact, it's a force multiplier because you can remove right. a lot of the clutter and the busy work and hopefully create more space and more time for a provider to really have that connection.
0: Yeah, and you see this. We all love to shit on the social networks, but in essence, the social networks have brought us much closer together. By that, look, there's one of my closest friends from my school, let's be real. I don't talk to you that often, but I know everything that's going on in his life and he knows everything that's going on in my life. And that's Mm -hmm. awesome. That's the power of of technology absolutely brings us together. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself, if you lived 150 years ago on on the farm with no phone, do you think you were closer to everybody around the country and around the world? No, of course not. That's an absurd concept. And so Hmm. there's zero question that technology has its pros and its cons, but
1: without doubt, it has brought us closer together. So what were the biggest surprises you encountered when you got involved in healthcare? Because you worked in some very different spaces before. You've entered with this big and bold vision. What surprised you? I'm gonna sound incredibly obnoxious
0: and say actually not that much, and I'll tell you why. Most people that want to go after an industry spend their time learning the industry. I don't know about healthcare. I really don't. I am not a healthcare person. Instead, I just try to go back to first principles and understand the problems that we need to solve. And it turns out that any one of us, we have our lived experience. We have our lives. We've been sick. We've been healthy. We know that we're aging. We know that we're going to die. We are actually all experts in what healthcare should look like. I promise you. Does that mean that we understand how insurance and payers and what all these, you know, acts of Congress mean? Do we know of Medicare and Medicaid? No, 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 but you don't need to. Those aren't the things that matter. The same way it's not like you were sitting over in the early days of Google, sitting there trying to explain to Larry and Sergey the Dewey decimal system. They're like we're not trying to rebuild a library. We're trying to build Google. And so instead, once you start with first principles, it turns out you end up not being surprised that often. Yeah, it's an industry with a lot of regulation. Yeah, it's an industry where you really do have to rebuild a whole bunch of infrastructure from the ground up. So I know it's a lot of work. And I'm not saying by any stretch that I think we have a guaranteed chance of success. No, I think it's incredibly low probability that we accomplish our mission. But I also know that the strategy we're going about is the right strategy because again, you can clearly determine this from first principles and that's what matters. So tell me more about those first principles. So whenever I want to think about what's the future of an industry, I just start by doing the thought experiment. I don't know if you've done thought experiments before, but they're really easy. If you choose a dimension, you take it to the extreme. Let's try an example, right? So healthcare today, is about 20% of GDP, which really just means 20% of your paycheck, going up a lot, right? It's going up about 7% year over year. doesn't sound like much until you realize that means doubling every decade. Like somehow this thing is going to be 40% of my paycheck in a decade. I don't even know how you do that. But rather than thinking about the 20% of the 40%, just ask yourself the thought experiment. Do I believe, at the limit, healthcare should cost a dollar a person or a billion dollars a person? And I think we're all gonna agree. Healthcare is gonna cost a dollar a person. Okay, great, so that's the first thing. We know at Ford that we wanna reduce cop. Okay, second thing. Do I believe that I'm better off reacting to medical issues or preventing medical issues? At the limit, do I wanna build only prevention? Or do I want to build only reaction? Obviously, prevention. This is incredibly obvious, right? What is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Like, it turns out these things are very logical. Okay, so now we know that we want it to cost a dollar a person and we want it to be preventive. Okay, next thing. Do we believe that healthcare at the limit should use one piece of data or all the data? Obviously, all the data. More knowledge can't hurt you, right? So all the information. So we know at Ford that every single day we are going to be striving to collect more and more information. But let's keep going. Do I believe that to practice medicine, to help others, you need to go to a 100 years of med school or that the tools are so simple that you can practice medicine with five minutes of knowledge? Well, why why not five minutes? So we know that at Ford, every single day, we should be creating tools that make it easier and easier for us to provide care for anyone to provide care for someone else. Let's keep going. Do we believe that healthcare should be gated behind other people, right? Doctors, nurses, insurance companies, et cetera. Or do we believe that the tools should be so great that you can take control of your own health, that you can determine your own health and make your own decisions? Obviously, we believe that, that it should, the power should be put in your hands. So Every day, what we're doing is we're working to create tools that allow our members to control the, their own future of their health not leave it in anybody else's hands. And I can keep going. These are merely a few, maybe four or five of the dimension that we think about. Whereas we think about 30, we think about 40 dimensions. But at the end of the day, what you quickly realize is that the future of healthcare becomes incredibly obvious once you just sit down and ask yourself from first principles, where should it go?
1: Yep, so I got five. Low cost is better. Prevention is better than treating people when they're sick. More data is better than less data. More access, better than less access. Then providing authority to patients, uh, informing people, people, enabling them to yeah. take more control of their care. Your mission. I can give, you, initial- I can give you
0: five more and five more. It
1: I'm, turns sure. Out I'm sure every part I'm of healthcare is broken. Yeah, but that's a but that's a good base. Your initial statement on your mission was to become the health system for the planet. Talk through the services you're providing right now, so the the primary care component and your vision for how that can grow out and expand to more key services that a health system provides.
0: Yeah. So we want to take every single part of healthcare from being a service to being a product. From what the doctors and nurses are doing, we just want to migrate it over to hardware and software. At some point you realize that's boiling the ocean, that's a lot of work. So you have to start somewhere. When Elon came out and said, I want to build electric cars, he looked around and he was like, "Ah, oh, bad news. Like the world wasn't built for me. There's gas stations, not electric stations. There's oil mines, not lithium mines. And he realized that he has to go after the entire thing from the ground up. Now, obviously, he did that in stages, right? He starts with his Model S. Then moves to his Model 3. When you say you want to build healthcare as a product, you look around and you quickly realize the entire world of healthcare was not built for you. You have to rebuild every single part of it from the ground up. And when I say everything, I mean everything from open heart surgery to delivering babies to oncology to pharma. We want to do it all. But again, that's boiling the ocean. That's insane. So where do you start? What is our Model S? Well, our Model S is pretty obvious. What we did is we started by building a high-tech doctor's office. We built one in San Francisco. It's done pretty well. So we scaled it up all across the nation. We're live in order of about 25 cities or so. But immediately you go, wait a minute, Adrian. You just told me you want to get healthcare to the whole planet. And then you told me that you've got a doctor's office with doctors in it. Like, like square the two because you know that's not going to scale. But think about what we're doing. Every day we're watching what's happening inside of our clinics. You come in, you sit in the exam chair, you talk to your doctor about the flu. I immediately go, wait a minute, why do you even come in? Why not build that into the mobile app? Next guy comes in, he sits in the exam chair, talks to his doctor about his skin issues. I build a skin scanner. Next woman talks to her doctor about her heart issues. We build a body scanner. And slowly but surely, mm. what we're doing is, again, we're just migrating every single thing from doctor and nurse to hardware and software until what you realize is that at the limit Forward is not building doctor's office. Forward is building harder and softer. In fact, we don't believe doctor's offices should even exist. And that's the path that we're going down. It's not a path that happens overnight. This isn't a one or two year adventure. This is a many
1: year venture. But
0: that's the path that we're going down. And so far it seems to be working quite well.
1: So when we're sitting here in 21, 23, and you've been through the iterative loops more times than we can count and you've picked up on the signal of individuals coming in and seeking care and then responded by providing more technology and more services. In that world, what is the role of a healthcare professional? What role uh, do they take? Yes. Yeah.
0: So think of what it's like to be a doctor these days. And honestly, if I can be a little blunt, it kind of sucks, right? It, think about it, it. A new pair of shoes comes in, you fix that pair of shoes, you send, it, you send them on your way, You're like a, you're like a cobbler, right? You're just a cobbler of humans. A new human comes in, you fix them, you send them on their way. The next human comes in, you fix them, you send them on their way. You're never actually improving the system, right? Like, let me use a simple analogy. Let's just imagine for a second that you're a member of Ford. You've got the Ford mobile app, okay? You find a bug in our mobile app. So you walk up to Jess, one of our engineers. She's really awesome. You're like, hey, Jess, will you do me a favor? Will you just fix this bug? Jess is really nice. She fixes your bug. She sends you on your way. The next day I come in, I've got the same bug. I walk up to Jess, she fixes my bug. She sends me on my way. The next day, like my my girlfriend's got the same bug. She walks up to Jess, just fixes her bug, just sends her on her way. You know what I'm going to do? Like, I'm Jess's boss. At some point, I'm going to fire Jess. Are you kidding me? Fix the damn bug once and for all. But now pretend that you're a doctor. You've got the flu or I've got the flu. I walk up to you and I'm like, "Okay, will you do me a favor? Fix the flu. You're very nice. You fix my flu. You send me on my way. The next day, Jess has the flu. She walks up to you. You fix her flu. You send her on her way. The next day, my girlfriend's got the flu. You fix her flu. You send her on her way. At some point, shouldn't we just be firing you? Like, why not fix the damn flu once and for all? And so now you have to ask yourself, what's going on here? Why well, are engineers able to build products and doctors not? So in my last job, I worked at Google and I worked on the search engine. I ran a big chunk of the search engine. And you know what? Like I, I could literally write code that went out to 3 billion people later that day. That's impact. On the other hand, a doctor, they can affect one person in front of them at any given point in time. Like why? What's going on? And what you realize is you have to ask yourself, okay, obviously this is because engineers are better educated than doctors. No, it's actually quite the opposite. Obviously this is happening because engineers are more altruistic than doctors. No, as it turns out, quite the opposite. And it turns out that when I sit down to work, I sit down at a laptop. Again, the sum culmination of all human advancement in a two-pound device. And when a doctor sits down to work, they pull out a stethoscope, a hollow tube from the 1800s. Like this has to stop. We have to build doctors better tools. So now you said, okay, but what's the role of the doctor in 20 and 50 and 100 years? And what you realize is that they go the same way that engineers went. When I was growing up, I'd go to my neighbor's house, I'd fix his computer. These days, that's not really a thing. Now you've got, I don't know, 100 people sitting in a room at Apple watching over millions of computers in real time, thinking these five million. They're running out of space, deploy a fix. These three million, they've got malware, deploy a fix. Doctors are going to go the same way. What I think of almost is they're going to become medical engineers. We're going to give them good enough tools that rather than just fixing the person in front of them, they fix the issue systemically. They fix the issue once and for all. And this is the world that we should live in because once that happens, everything starts to change. The
1: quality of healthcare starts to improve at a faster and faster rate. Is it just the technology? Or is it the incentives as well? Yeah, sure. So when I was at Google, before starting Ford, I actually went and I wanted to buy one medical.
0: It was my job to do a bunch of these like larger deals. And so I went and I sat down with the founder, Tom Lee, super nice guy, super smart guy. And I said, Don, I'm going to buy you. I'm going to give you a couple billion dollars. What are we going to do together? How are we going to change all of healthcare? And he said something that like is steered in my brain. He said, Adrian, in healthcare, technology investment is not ROI positive sitting there I'm like, are you kidding me right now? What are you talking about? In gardening, it's ROI positive. Like This is the cr- like dumbest thing I've ever heard. But think about what he was really saying. What he was really saying is the system does not support you investing in technology. And he's totally right. Because what happens when you work with the current healthcare system, you've got these things called billing codes. I'll give you an example. I've got a body scammer, right? You walk in, it takes all your vitals, takes a bunch of other measurements, et cetera. And one day the CEO of Kaiser was trying to buy us and and I said, no. And he was like, man, that body scanner is so cool. And I'm thinking, of course, patting myself on the back, we must be geniuses. Well, I was like, you have 40,000 nurses. Why do you not have a body scanner like ours? And think about it. Every time you walk in and that nurse takes your vitals, they built $6. It turns out that's a lot of money. If they build that body scanner, they now build zero dollars. It's literally one of the only industries in which doing the right thing makes you less money. So, of course, no one's going to go put a bunch of engineers on solving problems. In fact, it gets worse than this. We've created a healthcare system that's focused on keeping you at work, not keeping you alive. And this is really bad. This short term notion is the whole reason the healthcare system has little impact. In fact, you know this. Let's pretend the person that you care about most in the world, like the person you love more than anything, right? Your wife, your cousin, sister, I don't know what it is. She walks up to you and she says, you know what, Alex? I didn't get a checkup this year. I didn't go to the doctor and get a checkup. You don't go, oh, my God, Julie. Oh, Julie's going to die. You go, Julie, you should probably go. But frankly, I'm not sure it really matters. In fact, you know this because all your smart friends out there, what are they doing? How many friends do you have who are like, no? I only Mm. eat organic or here's what I only use method soap. Like, are you kidding me? Your organic smoothie is our, is the, is our solution to cancer now? Like, why are your friends all iterating to such a dumb idea? It's not that they're dumb. It's that they're desperate. The healthcare system is giving them nothing. It's not giving them solutions. They know it's not doing anything to actually affect their health. And so they're looking anywhere elsewhere. They're grasping at straws. And this is what needs to change. We need a healthcare system that's actually looking to keep you alive for the long term. And what you realize is the healthcare system we built today, I call it the BlackBerry of healthcare. It was built for the IT department. It for sure wasn't built for me. Then Apple came out and they were like, we're going to build for you and look at how the world changed. Today, they're built for the insurance companies. They're built for your employer. That's not what I want. What I want is a healthcare system that was built for me. So what we did for it is we started by saying, let's go direct to consumer. You know why? Because our incentive every single day is to just keep you alive. Literally, you pay us more money the healthier we make you. What an awesome business. That's amazing. Go and find any healthcare system on this planet that has hundreds of engineers and look at what those engineers are doing. They're writing software. There's new ways to bill you. I promise. High deductible plans. Even Medicare for All, like all of these are financial innovation, deductible, copays. All of this stuff is financial innovation. Show me the people who are like, no, we're the hundred engineers working on preventing cancer, ensuring weight loss, preventing that rash on your skin from becoming malignant and taking you out. Like these are the things that actually matter, but that's not what people are working on. On the other hand, it's all my engineers are working on. Literally, it's the only thing. We don't spend any time on billing software. We can care less about it. And that's the key. The key is to build for the consumer and good things start to happen.
1: So tell me about your early hires. What backgrounds and skill sets were you looking for at that point? And then follow-up question, just so you can frame it, is how has that changed over time? So now that you're a larger company, how has your needs from a talent and recruiting perspective shifted? Yeah. So you have two choices, right? Going back to the thought experiment,
0: you have two choices in building this company. You sit down and you're like, I want to get healthcare to billions of people. Option one, really simple. Let's just go hire all the world-leading experts and know how to get healthcare to billions of people oh, they don't exist. Now what do I do? Option two is, you know what? You hire a bunch of smart people who don't know anything, but you give them the opportunity to learn. So if you think of forward, it's really simple. We actually don't know how to get healthcare. to people. I'll tell you right now, but we're faster at figuring it out than anybody else out there. In any given week, we are launching 10, 20, 30 things. And we just sit there and we say, oh, you know what? Looks like 20 of those are wrong. But you know what? We're gonna get that data faster than anybody. We're gonna improve and we're gonna keep going. So our whole shtick from the beginning was hire really smart people who can figure things out. Now, I was really lucky. This isn't my first company. And so actually our first, I don't know, 10-ish or so folks or almost all people that I've worked with and known for a very long time. They've actually, some of them worked with me in the startup that Google acquired, at Google in the AI division, at Google and my kind of special projects role ends, and now at Ford. And so the key for us was we care more about problems than we care about solutions. We maniacally fixate on the problem of getting healthcare to a billion people. We do not attach ourselves. There are no sacred cows. We don't attach ourselves to anyone's solution. Think about what I told you. I told you we're a company that has 25 doctor's offices all around this country and thinks doctor's offices are stupid, right? That's what I told you. This is what it shows you we care about getting healthcare to a billion people. Every single thing we're doing along the way is merely in service of the problem as opposed to thinking of ourselves as a doctor, a fancy doctor's
1: office. No, we don't know. If that's the right thing, that's what we'll do. And if it's the wrong thing, we won't. So Adrian, I'm going to push back on you a little bit because one of my litmus tests for advice is whether I could test the counterfactual and if it holds up. So hire smart people. Obviously, when I start a company, I'm not going to go out and try to hire people who aren't smart. How did you select them? And you mentioned it because you knew the 10 people, reputation and previous experience. But when you were making your 100th to 200th to 300th to 400th hire, um, at some point, you were no longer able to do that. So what mechanisms and processes do you use for assessing talent? I think that'd be really helpful for audience. to learn. Yeah,
0: yeah. So primarily, when you look at most companies, what they're doing is they're basically asking themselves, are these people smart and do these people have the skills? Frankly, I don't really care if you have the skills. I can almost always teach a skills. Yeah, you want to be a doctor, you got to have your license. But short of that, any sort of skills you can probably learn. So I do care if you're smart, but the reality is that's a commodity. In Silicon Valley, that's table stakes. not hard to find smart people. So the thing that we actually spend more time looking for is what's your motivation? We're getting you out of bed in the morning. I wake up in the morning, not because I go, oh, I really want to IPO a company. Oh, I really want to make a quick buck. Oh, I really want to be famous. I couldn't get less about these things. What I want to do is I want to help as many people as I possibly can on this planet. When we look at candidates, the first thing that we're asking ourselves is, what's this person's motivation? What cuts them out of bed? Do they want to live their lives in service of others? Or are they just looking to help themselves? And I'll be honest, the more you want to live your life in service of others, the more you might be a good fit. And the more hmm. you're looking for that quick buck, the more you're looking for that, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to get rich, do not come to Port. I will never care about that. All I will care about is how many people I can help on this planet.
1: I'd even say don't go into healthcare. Go launch a B2B SaaS company. Try to create the next Slack. Ford has a really impressive group of advisors. How have you leveraged that group of expertise? Yeah. We're really lucky in that we
0: have, not only do we have a a good set of advisors, but we have probably over 100 investors. And many of them are names. No, and frankly, many of them are not. And one of the things that I realized early on is when you're going after an incredibly large problem, you're going after an incredibly hard problem the first thing that you want to do is you want to collect intelligence. Think of it as like when you were growing up and you had trading cards. It turns out the more the better, right? There's an enormous amount of smart people out there that will have ideas that you don't have. And if you're humble and you start with this notion of every single thing that we are doing it for today is almost certainly entirely wrong. We do not have the answers on how to get healthcare to a billion people. Instead, we have a process for figuring it out. It turns out one of the best ways to figure it out is to go talk to more and more smart people every single day. So what we're constantly doing is we've got this kind of almost mental model of what are these people good at? This person's really good at operations. This person's good at regulatory. This person's good at kind of science. And then we're kind of looping them in on our efforts and saying, what ideas do you have? We never take it at face value. We always diligence those ideas and try and beat those ideas up ourselves. But good ideas can come
1: from anywhere. And so we're constantly trying to get as many of them as as possible. So I give you a magic wand. You can wave it. You can create any piece of technology. You can make any means of capturing data. You could create a new sensor that would enable you to capture new biomarkers or streams of data from the lives that you cover. But you only get one thing what would it be? Okay. And why would you well, prioritize fir- it? My, I mean, my first wish is to wish for three more wishes. Classic, I think we've solved Classic. The problem,
0: but, okay, so if you're really only giving me one, so I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd, and I watched a lot of Star Trek growing up. I don't know if you did, but oh, if yeah. you've been to a forward, you'll realize, like, we're heavily inspired by all things Star Trek. Our designs are almost a straight rips half the time, but but one of the things that I always thought was pretty amazing was the med bay, right? It's just, a, I don't know, this little pod you go in and it just keeps you healthy. And I was like, man, the med bay with the little tricorder, like that's what I need. And so just think of it as you had that. If you had the med bay and you had that tricorder, healthcare would be democratized. Healthcare would be accessible to everybody on this planet. It would look just like an iPhone, right? It would just be that cheap, that ubiquitous and that simple. And to some extent, I think what we're trying to do at Ford is we're just trying to build the med bank. Right, just to make it really simple, just try to build the med bay that everyone can use.
1: So Adrian, looking back in time at you when you were developing your app to help people follow topics and get more timely updates before the exit to Google, and you had no idea that person was going to move on and create Star Trek med bays across the US, what advice would you give yourself?
0: Okay, the first thing is stop doing dumb things. I did a lot of dumb things when I was younger. I try to do fewer and fewer these days. I'm still not great at it. Uh, and uh, and if you say what sort of dumb things, I'll just be like, ah, you know what I'm talking about, like any 20 year old. But bigger piece of advice, and I was really lucky to work for Larry Page because one of the biggest things that he instilled in me is that most people go after small problems. You know what the funny thing is? If I told you I want to get healthcare to the entire planet, literally want to rebuild the entire healthcare system for the whole planet, what am I going to do? I get 20 people in a room, work on for a year, come out with a product. And then if I told you that I want to build the world's best spoon, really, I want to reinvent spoons, what am I going to do? Get 20 people in a room, work on it for a year, come out with a product. Excuse me. And what is, it's just as easy to work on enormous problems with enormous impact as it is to work on, frankly, like dumb problems with minimal impact. And the reality is if you look around Silicon Valley, and I get to say this now that I've got the gray beard and the, the white whiskers, it is I get to say people are working on shit that is a waste of their lives. You only have one life on this planet. Go after something that is truly material. Go after something where when you're on your deathbed, you're like, I did that, or you know what, even better, I tried to do that and it was still worth it. And it turns out that the amount of people that are working on, I don't know, photo sharing apps, is just
1: a waste of talent on this planet. Adrian, thank you so much for joining. You're a provocateur. You brought in a lot of fresh perspective and I really appreciate it, I learned a lot. Thanks for joining the podcast. Not at all. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for joining us today for the AWS Health Innovation Podcast. If you want to get in touch with AWS, please check out our show notes where you can find a link. The best way to support the podcast is to share it with your colleagues and friends. We also appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have ideas on how we can improve the show, please let us know. Our feedback survey is in the show notes. See you next week.